All right, well, today we're going to wrap up our series, Divine Direction. This is part four, and we're going to finish it up today. And, and, and so my prayer is that after this message today, you'll have faith to take your next step. We've been talking about divine direction for the last three weeks. We've been talking about how it's important to know who you are before what you do for God. We talked about how we, we need to understand why we're doing what we're doing before it's what we do. You follow what I'm saying? Our motives need to be right. And so last week we talked about how there's certain things that we're going to face. We need to trust God's process that when you go to step out in faith, there's going to be some things that come against you. There's going to be some certain uncertainty. There's going to be some predictable resistance. And then, but then there's also going to come out of you an uncommon confidence to walk through what you're walking through. And so today we're going to wrap the series up with the title of my message today being Faith to Start. And Faith to Start. And so today I want to talk to you about having the faith to start what God wants you to start. And so I believe some of you don't know how much faith you actually have because you refuse to put your faith into action. James makes it very clear in the book of James that in order for your faith to grow, it has to be active and it has to be activated. And James has this crazy verse that says you need to count it all joy when stuff starts breaking down in your life because it's an opportunity. Watch this for your faith to be pressed out and for the light to shine on your faith and for your faith to be strengthened faith that's never exercised never gets stronger that's like sitting on the sofa thinking you're building muscles (laughs) can i get a witness (laughs) it just don't happen i've been trying it for 43 years and i had to get out and sweat and go through some pain and some soreness so I, i believe in order for us to step towards our destiny we're first going to have to step away from our security. Anytime God moves in your heart and he, he leads you to take another step, it's going to be a step into something new, but it's also going to be a step out of something old. He's going to get you out of your, and you're not going to like me when I say this, but God wants to get you out of your comfort zone. He's not interested in you being comfortable. He's prepared a place in heaven for you to be comfortable for eternity. But he says that while you're here for your 80 plus years, you're not going to be comfortable. If you find yourself comfortable, you just might be outside of my will. I say that from experience. (laughs) Every time I seem to get comfortable, God goes, okay, let's go to the next thing. I'm like, man, like, dude, you don't quit. He's like, nope, got work to do, got things to do, got a kingdom to build. So there's going to be a stepping into the new that requires a stepping away uh, from the old. And I don't want you to be afraid to leave what's comfortable to step into something new that's uncertain. Don't be afraid of that. In fact, I want to flip the switch on you this morning, and I want you to start looking at it differently. And I want you to go, I'm not stepping into something that's uncertain, even though that may be true. I'm actually stepping into a new opportunity 
to have a new experience with God and see a new side of him, to see he's even stronger than I once thought he was, to see that he loves me and cares for me even more than before, that he is able to provide for me even more than I know today. I want you to see it as an opportunity when God puts a burden on your heart. I don't want you to be afraid of it. I don't want you to go, oh, no, I got to give up this. I want you to go, well, here we go. This is an opportunity to grow in my relationship with God. You can grow intellectually here, and this will build some faith in you. But let me tell you something. It's a different kind of growth when you take this and the faith that this produces and you put it inside here and it causes this right here. That's a whole nother kind of growth. And I don't want you to be afraid of that. I don't want you to be scared to step into something new. I don't want you to be scared to trust the process. So for some of you, it's going to look maybe like this. Maybe he's going to cause you to step into a new career. Maybe he's going to cause you or give you a burden to renew an old relationship that's been bad. By the way, God has a message for that today. If you've got some bad relationships in your life, let me give you a little bit of insight. You're the one that God's going to use to restore that relationship. Hello? You're the Jesus follower. The spirit of God lives inside of you. If they're mad at you, you got to pray for them. If they don't want to talk to you, you just keep praying for them. And you trust that God's going to use you to restore that relationship. Maybe he wants you to step out into a life group. Maybe he wants you to engage in a conversation with somebody new. you got the same group of friends you've been having for 20 years. And you all know everything about each other. Maybe he wants you to step out and start talking to somebody new, build a new relationship. Maybe it's to start tithing. Maybe it's to start school. Maybe it's to take your education to a new level. Maybe it's to go to rehab. Because you've been trying to defeat this thing in your own strength for so long, and it's not working. Maybe he wants you to step out and get some So I don't know what step God's leading each one of us to, but I know this is going to require you to leave comfort and old and step into uncomfortable yet new. Right? New. I get to see a new side of him. I get to need to experience, I get to experience him like I've never experienced him before. Right? And so that's what I believe is going to happen today. That's my prayer for you. So get ready. You're about to leave comfort behind. Does that make you feel better? (laughs) Here's Here's the truth of today's message. It's sad, but the start is what usually stops us. The start stops us. You can't finish anything that you don't start, right? If you never light the fire on the stove, nobody's going to eat supper. And everybody's going to be hangry and mad. You can't finish what you didn't start. 
Amen? If you're going to build a house, you've got to lay a foundation. You can't finish what you don't start. Don't let the start stop you. But I believe some of us today, we go, I just don't know how to start. I don't know what to do next. I don't know. I'm just, just scared. Maybe it's just because I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen when I take this step. Never forget the first time I jumped off the high diving board. In my teenage years, I was scared, but all my buddies was there, so I had to act like I was brave. And I was up there, and my knees were shaking, and I jumped. Before you know it, I'm turning into this little diver dude. Like front one and a half, gainers backwards. I even created my own dive called the baby butt dive. Now, I'm not kidding you. The board would be out like this, and I would stand on the end, and I would drop down and hit my cheeks and do a one and a half into the front. I'm, I'm more agile than I look. Right, Ethan? Come on, son, testify. You left me hanging, son. You're supposed to say, Yes! I didn't set him up. I, I should have set him up better. That's, that's okay. But the first time I dove, it was scary. It was uncertain. I didn't know what it was going to feel like when I hit the water. But after that, I was like, hey, this ain't so bad. Didn't realize how good it was until I took the first step. Don't let the start stop you. So today we're going to talk about Faith to start. If we're, if we're going to ask God for some divine direction, it's going to require some faith to start. And I'm praying and I'm hoping that you've been asking God for some divine direction since we've started this series. And I want to say to you this morning that if you'll ask him, he'll give it to you. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. If you ask, you shall receive, is what the Bible says. So if you ask for divine direction, you will receive divine direction because you're asking for his direction and not your own direction. Can I get a better amen? So I want to use the story of Nehemiah today to show you how God not only used him to start something, but God used Nehemiah to finish and complete something that was important. So let me give you a little bit of the backstory before we get into the actual scriptures itself. Nehemiah was an Israelite. And in those days, the, the nation of Israel, if you'll remember, I've been talking lately about reading the Old Testament, how it's kind of like this bipolar thing that one minute they loving God and he's blessing the mess out of them. And then they start worshiping false gods and, and falling away from God. And before you know it, they're in captivity and they're, they're bound and they're disgraced. And, and then finally, after a little while, they repent and then God restores them. And, then, and the, so, so goes the vicious cycle, right? Well, that's where they're at right now in this, in this part of the story. The nation of Israel went from a season of being in captivity to repenting to God blessing them to going back to their false idols and they're worshiping other gods and turning their back on God. And the Bible says that God was angry with them. So he allowed them to be captured again. This time it's 140 years in captivity when we pick up this story. And Nehemiah 
is not the guy that you would expect him to be. And you've got to understand this today. We, we think that God's going to line up our destiny with who we currently are. God knows you better than you know you. In fact, he created you. And he's put things inside of you that have got a, a, a time on them. And he wants to release those things. And so what I'm saying is this, is that some of you are underestimating God's ability to work in your life. You're underestimating his ability to do the supernatural in and through your life. And so we pick up the story. Israel is broke down. They're in captivity. Nehemiah gets this burden. We're going to call it a divine burden to change something. There's something inside of him that goes, he looks out across the nation that they once called home and he goes, there's something wrong with this, that this isn't right. I can't take it anymore. I'm sick of captivity. I'm sick of being hopeless. Something's got to change. Anybody ever felt that way before? I can't take it anymore. He had a divine burden. And I believe many of us have a divine burden that we've either been ignoring or we've just not paid attention to or we've not even realized that we have a burden. I'm going to share a story about my wife. I didn't pre-warn her about this, but it's not bad. My wife, I've seen this happen in Cheryl's life. Years ago, when, when the church was a little bit younger, we were going through some transitions and our OSC kids ministry was not quite where we wanted it to be. And so I remember we're sitting in a pastor's meeting in Jennings and my wife and I are there and and we're talking about, you know, how do we get this ministry going? I mean, it's the biggest ministry in our church. At least 35 volunteers right now just to run OSC kids. And so we're in this meeting and my wife's just like, she's like kind of going off. I don't think she realized she was, but she's just kind of like, you know, something's got to happen. So somebody's got to step up and do something about it. We, these are kids. These are our kids. God's given us all these kids and we got to do something about it. And, and I don't know who's going to do it. And everybody's like, well, who's going to do it? And she's like, I don't know who's going to do it. And she's like, well, you tell me who's going to do it. And then all of a sudden we had an elephant in the room moment. You ever have those? And everybody's looking at Cheryl like, and she's like, what? And it just dawned on all of us, it's your burden. It's your direction. And she jumped in and she took it to where it is today. And she's knocking it out the park. I just got to say, wife or no wife, she's knocking it out the park. She loves kids. They bring her gifts, which puts more butter on her bread. And I get jealous because she's more excited about them than me sometimes. And I might start coloring some pages or something. I mean, she's got like these little boys bringing her like they're, they're constructing wood crosses. I'm going, dang. She had a burden. She didn't realize she had a burden until she got around some folks that said, hey, you got the burden. 
It's for you to do. <laughs> you see, that's why you need to be in a life group. That's why you need to be plugged into the church and in this community. Because so, some of you don't even realize you got a burden, but you go around all day long. I wish somebody would do something about this. I wish they would do. This has just got to change. And everybody's like, I wish you would do something about it. I would, in fact, I wish you would shut up and do something. <laughs> Come on, I'm just being real this morning. Just keeping it real, keeping it real. Your divine burden often indicates your divine direction. Now, I want to ask you some questions this morning. I don't want you to answer them to me. I want you to answer them to yourself. But that thing that's burning inside of you, it's probably the thing that you're made for. And so I want to ask you, what's burning in your heart? What is it that frustrates you? What is it that gets under your skin? What is it that makes you go, I can't take that no more? What is it that makes you go, somebody needs to do something about that? What is that thing for you? Because I believe this to be true, that every Jesus follower has a burden. He's not going to save you just to leave you without a burden. He's not going to save you to not use you to reach more people. That's how he operates. That's his plan. But there's something, there's some kind of injustice in your life. And let me tell you, it's in your life that God's calling you to. And it's burning inside of you. And I just want to say to you this morning, that's a divine burden. What you going to do about it? Because you got to do something about it. Because your divine burden indicates your divine direction. And if you're going to go the way God wants you to go, you need to understand what your burden is. Right? I'm reminded of even this week watching the news, watching the, uh, I'm very proud of these guys, the Cajun Navy. Come on, somebody. I just love it. The Cajun Navy. <laughs> now we got the Cajun Air Force. There's a group of guys want to fly some supplies. I'm like, come on, man. They got a burden. They got some toys. And they're going to use their toys to fulfill their burden. I'm serious. I mean, these guys are traveling from all over the place. And they're not just Cajun. Thursday when I went and dropped off the supplies at the distribution center, there was about a group of 15 to 20 guys with boats and all this stuff parked on the side of the road waiting to get into the, sorry, <laughs> I was going to spit it, but I figured that wouldn't have been cool. They, they were waiting to get in the distribution center whenever it closed because they were going to sleep in the warehouse that night. And so I didn't know who they were, I didn't talk to them, I was trying to get unloaded, it was late. I go in, I get unloaded, I come out, those guys are like, bah, bah, bah. appreciate you guys. Get home, that night I see... On Facebook, our church in Lake Charles, Church of the King, posted, these guys came all the way from North Carolina. They're on a fishing team at their university. And they said, these folks need help. And they drove all the way from North Carolina to come pull people out of the water in Texas. That's a burden. That's a burden. They stepped in a direction let me tell you something. Those guys will never, ever, ever be the same. They have an experience that, it, that, that is life-changing. That's a burden. 
It's going to cause you to do something that you wouldn't normally do. Your divine burden reveals your divine direction. So what do you do with it? What do you do with this burden? How do you handle it? Nehemiah handled it right. Man, he handled it right. Nehemiah took his burden and he went to God with it. He didn't just take off running. He didn't just not have a plan and go out all crazy, Rambo-like, and just, <laughs> he made a plan. He, he went to God with his burden. What do we do when we realize we have a burden? You take your burden to God. You take it to God. And I want to show you how Nehemiah took his burden to God. Go with me to Nehemiah chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 5. I want to read this prayer that Nehemiah prayed to God. I want you to hear the emotion in this prayer. Nehemiah had been weeping over Jerusalem. His heart was distraught. He felt disgrace. He felt something needed to change. He realized he had a burden. Verse 5, then I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for for my name to be honored. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. Oh, Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. Nehemiah took his burden And he carried it to God and he laid it at God's feet. In that prayer, you see repentance. In that prayer, you see confession. In that prayer, you see humility. But also in that prayer, you see him reminding God of his promises. You see him telling God, you said you would exile us, but you said that when we repent, you're going to bring us back. And Lord, I'm repenting right now because I want you to bring us back. Are you following me? So you need to confess and you need to, you need to ask for forgiveness, but you also need to remind God of what his promises are. You exiled us, but you promised that you would bring us back. Then he says something at the end that I want, it's just so powerful. He says this, he gets very specific. He says, please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. Nehemiah went to God. God went to the king. And then when Nehemiah went to the king, God had already got to him. You see, but we want to go to the thing that we need to go to and ask. And then they say, no, we said, told you it wasn't God. When God says, no, you come to me first, I'm going to set it up. And then when you get there, 
you're going to have undeserved favor. Nehemiah goes to the king, the story says. And the king says, well, how long are you going to be gone? Okay, when do you expect to be back? Okay, sounds good, man. He says, well, can I even have a letter, <laughs> like of approval, <laughs> I can take with me? He's like, sure, write you a letter. It's amazing what happens when we go to God first. <laughs> it's amazing because we give him an opportunity to go before us. Take everything that you have and go to God first. Lord, I'm about to go ask for a raise. I pray that you would, you would just, Lord, rapture my boss. I'm out. Lord, Lord, give him a new mind. Lord, Lord maybe it's, Lord, give him uh, amnesia about my past failures. <laughs> Lord, <laughs> would you please <laughs> give me favor, Lord? I need a raise. And if you don't ask... God doesn't go, you don't receive. Right? So Nehemiah goes to God first. Now, like I told you, Nehemiah is not the guy you think he is. Nehemiah's job title is, he's a cupbearer. <laughs> Nehemiah gets to drink wine with the king. And some of you just went, that's a good job. <laughs> Can I get a, did, did, are they taking applications for that job? Let me tell you, I could drink some wine. I'm just. But it's not what you think. A cupbearer, yes, he would drink wine with the king, but it was before the king would drink the wine to see if it was poisoned. So the king would watch the cupbearer. I mean, you can't enjoy wine when it might be poisoned. Come on, somebody. You ain't looking for a buzz, you're just looking to live. You're like. Right? And if he don't fall dead, then the king goes, that's a good jug. Right? He's not a contractor. He's not a builder. He's not a mason. He's not even in the army. He's a wino. You know what a wino is, huh? Okay. He just likes to drink wine. But he got this burden. And he looks around. Y'all got to get past this. <laughs> he looks around and he, he, he remembers what Jerusalem used to be like. He remembers that it used to be a thriving city with the favor of God on it. And its walls were magnificent. And it was secure. And it was beautiful. And it was incredible. And it was a place of honor. And he said, but it's not that today. It's not there anymore. And something's got to change. Something has to happen. And he goes from drinking wine to building walls. And God anointed him to do it. That's why I'm telling you that what you think you are today it's not exactly how God's going to use you. You may be clerical and you have clerical skills and all this. God may take you to Africa to be some kind of a doctor's helper. You follow what I'm saying? You can't judge what you are today thinking that that's how God's going to use you tomorrow. 
You never know what God's going to use you to do. All you got to do is be willing to be used by God, and He will use you to do things that you never imagined you would be doing. Right? So Nehemiah goes before the king and gives him permission. And the king says, go. As a Jesus follower with a divine burden, how do you start something big? How do you start something big? How do you start the big thing? Well, first, let me clarify what big may mean to you. For some of you, big is starting a women's ministry. But for others of you, big is discipling one woman. We're all at different places. We're all at different levels. We're all at different maturities. We've all had different experiences with God. Our faith is in a different place. What's big to one person may not be big to you. And I'm not trying to tell you what your big is. But I'm saying that no matter what your big is today, step into it. Amen? How do we start something big? Number one, we first start small. We start small. I didn't say think small. We think big. We start small. We start small. Zechariah 4.10 says this. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Do not despise small beginnings, because the Lord, watch this, rejoices to see the work begin. God's excited to see it begin. He's not so much over-concerned about the size of it. He says, I just want you to start. There's not a person alive that when you've got a little one in diapers and they, they finally grab the coffee table and they push themselves up and they do the drunk Frankenstein. There's not a person in here that wouldn't rejoice. When it's... I mean, what happens when that happens? You jump up, you go, yes, they took this step. Woo! And you're throwing down. You might not even be a Facebook person, but you're like, give me that phone. I'm putting this on Facebook. How you spell it? <laughs> but you're excited. No parent, when the kid takes the first step and falls, goes, oh, you loser. <laughs> you loser, you couldn't even take your first step right. I mean, no parent says that. Right? Listen to me. Listen to me. Neither does God. That should wipe the fear out of you. That says, I'm going to take my first step. And you know what? There's a 50-50 chance I'm going to fall flat on my face. But I know one thing. People may say I'm a loser, but God's not going to say I'm a loser. God's going to be rejoicing. Whoo, you seen that they took their first step. Come on, he's high-fiving somebody in heaven. Chest bump, knuckles, right? They took their first step. 
Zechariah says, don't despise small beginnings. Don't be embarrassed if it's just a little bitty step. Don't be embarrassed if, if it's a little step, but it's big to you. Don't look at other people's step and say, well, my step's not as big as theirs, so I'm not going to step because I'll look less than them. Take your step. Maybe your first big step is just to start reading your Bible consistently. God's still going to rejoice when you get up in the morning and you grab your Bible and you go. Nope, that's the maps. Nope, can't start on the maps. <laughs> right? God's going to rejoice. Why? Because you took a step. He just wants you to take a step. You know why? Because he knows the secret behind the step. That when you take the first one, you're going to have an aha moment where you go, oh, hey, this ain't too bad. And then you're going to go, well, can we take the next one? And then he goes, sure. And then you take the next one. He goes, can we take the next one? He goes, well, you got to finish what you're doing right here. Okay. Now, can I take the next He knows the secret behind it. But if we never start... We don't get there, right? That might be a love note from my wife. I can't be reading that. Number one, start small. If you look at the story of Nehemiah and you go to the end of his story and you go, man, they, they finished the wall. If you back up and take the step before the last stone was placed, you'll see them working hard. I mean, they're working hard. Day and night, they're working hard. If you take, if you back up and take the step before that, they were actually building with a a tool in one hand and building with a weapon in the other. Because they had some resistance coming at them. So they had to build and fight. And build and fight. And build and fight. And they had to be ready. That was the step before that step. If you back up and take another step before that, you realize that there were some times where they were making a plan. The Bible says that Nehemiah went out at night and he surveyed the walls. And he took notes and he developed a plan. If you take the step before that and you back up, you realize that he motivated the people. Come on, y'all. We got to do this. We got to rebuild this wall. Something's got to change. God can use us to do it. Don't forget he's a cupbearer. If you back up and take the step before that, he waited for three days. If you take the step before that, He traveled 800 and approximately 30 miles on a donkey. That's why he had to wait for three days. Come on, somebody. (laughs) He rode a donkey for 800 miles. Couldn't build nothing. If you back up and take the step before that, he packed his bags. For some of you today, 
you need to prepare yourself for that small start. Maybe it's pack a bag. Maybe it's apply to college. Maybe interview for a new job. Maybe if you've got this burden to start your own company because you want to be able to do more and give more and be more generous, maybe you need to take a step towards that. But start small. Nehemiah went from one step to the next step, to the next step, to the next step. God did never say, keep your eyes way over there. In fact, his word says that his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When you walk at night, you don't stare out into the darkness. As we talked about last week, you step on a cotton mouth. What do you do? You shine the light right here and you watch your feet. And you take each step after the other one, right? Start small. Go with me to chapter 2, verse 17 real quick. So number one, start small. Don't think small. We think big, but we start small. 2.17 says this. But now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. They started small. Somebody had to put the first stone on the ground. Amen? What is your stone that needs to be placed on the ground today? What is that thing that God's put a burden in your heart for? What is that thing that he's calling you to? You need to know what that is, and he'll tell you what that is. You got to remember, there's going to be some uncertainty ahead of you. There's going to be some predictable resistance. You're going to face resistance. If you know the story they, they went out and they laid the first stone. But before you know it, they were building and fighting and building and fighting. There was some resistance. But then there was some uncommon confidence to finish it up. And that came after every step. Because you see, when you take your first step, you gain a little bit more confidence in God. Come on, somebody. When somebody's hurt you, and you take that first step to trust again, and it's a scary one, but you take it, and everything goes well, your confidence builds. With the next step, I get a little bit more confidence. Confidence in myself? No. Confidence in the God that I serve. That he loves me, he's for me, he's not against me, he's going to protect me, he's going to keep me, he's going to provide for me. He's good to me. But you only got, gain that confidence with each step that you take. It's just like a baby walking. The first step looked like a drunken Frankenstein. The second step gets a little bit better and then a little bit better. And before long, you're sitting there on the sofa, wore out, going, I wish they'd have never started walking. <laughs> right? <laughs> because you're like, no, they're into the cabinets. I've got to put locks on the cabinets.
Number two, take the next step. This is just so profound, so deep. Oh, it's a deep teaching. Take the next step. Verse 19. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of our plans, they scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king, they asked? I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall. But you have no share, legal right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. There's that confidence. Did you see it? Did you see the confidence come out? Did you see it? It it became boldness. And before too long, when you understand what your burden is, and you take a step and you start to gain some confidence, you start looking at the naysayers and you say, shut up. God told me to do this, and he's going to be with me when I do it. And you can say what you want and do what you want, but we're going to keep on doing it. Can I get a better amen? You know what the church needs today? Boldness and confidence. We need some boldness and confidence. Boldness to look at the enemy of our soul and say, stop right there and leave me alone. Get out of my house. Get away from my family. Stop messing with my provision. Right? We start looking at the naysayers around and say, oh, you know, you from Mamu. Girl, you can't do nothing. You from Mamu. No, I ain't from Mamu anymore. I gave my life to Jesus. I've been adopted into heaven, baby. And that's where I belong. I got a new residence. Some boldness and some courage. We need to take the next step that God's calling us to take. The Spirit is prompting you today. You're going to face some uncertain, certain, a certain uncertainty. You're going to face some predictable resistance. But listen to me, I want to promise you this, that you're going to gain some uncommon confidence as you take each step that God's calling you to take. You're going to become more confident. And the church is not confident because it refuses to take the step that God wants us to take. We shot some videos this week for the 10-year anniversary and folks were telling their story and I was sitting there asking questions while they're telling their story and one of the things I just realized was that people are scared to come to church for the first time. They're nervous. Maybe they're anxious. It's probably because they don't know what to expect. So they walk in, they kind of got their radar on. Right? And they're waiting for us to do something kooky and weird so that they have an excuse not to come back. Right? I go, man, we need to be confident. We need to know who God's called us to be. We need to take our next steps. As a church, we need to take our next steps. God is calling us out in faith. It's going to, anything we're going to do for God, it's going to require faith. More faith than you have now. Anything that God's calling you to do, you can't use your old faith anymore because it's not strong enough. You got to get you some new faith to go into the thing that God's calling you to. Amen? Don't be afraid to start small. 
And don't despise wherever you have to start. Maybe it's going home and looking at your spouse and saying, I'm sorry for being a jerk for the last five years. Maybe that's your first step. Maybe it's going home and saying, would you please forgive me? I don't know what your first step is. I don't even know what your next step is. But I do know this much. That if you're following Jesus, the day you gave your life to Jesus, he attached a burden to you. And that burden's been with you ever since. And I'm praying that that burden becomes alive today. And not only does it come alive and you go, man, there is something that burns inside of me. But that you go, Lord, just like Nehemiah did, you take it to God and you say, Lord, every time I see something about women being abused, Lord, I just, I get angry, God. I get bitter. I get mad. Lord, there's something inside of me that just says it's not right. Lord, I know I've sat by for so long and not did anything. And I ask you to forgive me, but Lord, would you, would you just go before me? I don't even know where to start, Lord. Would you, would you just go before me? You see, some of you, your first step is just having that conversation with God where you go, God, I have a burden. I realize it. Now, will you help me with my burden? Amen? Maybe that's your first step today. I know this much, the Spirit's prompting you. I believe that. I'm going to give you a quote that St. Francis of Assisi said. He said, start doing what's necessary, then what's possible. Then suddenly, you're doing the impossible. Start doing what's necessary, then what's possible then suddenly you're going to, or you're going to be doing the impossible. I believe your divine burden reveals your divine direction, which then reveals your first step or your next step. Amen? The reason we didn't call this series Divine Destination is because we never arrive. The work's never done. Nehemiah and his people that were unqualified to do what they were doing, they finished the wall. They finished the gates. But God had to put a burden on somebody else to come in and rebuild the temple, to come in and rebuild the housing, to rebuild the court. You see, the work's never done. But that's not our concern. Our concern is we need to start where God wants us to start. And if we're there to the finish, then that's great. And I want to leave you with this last thought, that you don't have to have faith to finish. You just need faith to start. You don't have to worry about finishing because that's going to overwhelm you. You just need to say, God, I need some faith to start. Would you help me to start today? I just want to start. You just need faith to start, not faith to finish.